everyone. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us. My name is Elaine Tricoli, and I'm the Director of International Visitor Programs at the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. We're honored to be here tonight in the presence and in celebration of three phenomenal recipients of the 2023 International Women of Courage Award. Every year, the State Secretary of State's International Women of Courage Award recognizes women internationally who have demonstrated exceptional courage while advocating for a more peaceful existence and a more peaceful world. The women with us tonight have defied extraordinary circumstances, paved untraditional paths of advocacy, and are gracious enough to share their stories with the world. I would like to sincerely thank the U.S. Department of State and the Meridian International Center for entrusting us with hosting the awardee's visit to Dallas-Fort Worth through the State Department's premier professional exchange program, the IVLP, or International Visitor Leadership Program. We would not be gathered here today without the work of the Department of State's Office of International Visitors and its commitment to bridging cultures and facilitating international connections. A special thank you to our promotional partners for this event, the SMU Human Rights Program, Dallas Professional Women, Polish American Council of Texas, Ukrainian Cultural Club of Dallas, Ukrainian American Society of Texas, Ethiopian Community of Dallas-Fort Worth, Amhara People's Civic Organization of Dallas, Polish Association in Texas, Polish American Council of Texas. On behalf of the World Affairs Council, I'd like to sincerely welcome those joining us this evening for the first time. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Community and global engagements are the founding pillars of our work. We encourage you to stay in touch with the Council's happenings as we all work to strengthen the connection amongst international communities in Dallas-Fort Worth. Finally, a special thanks to our Council's institutional partners, Haynes Boone, Lockheed Martin, NEC Corporation of America, and PNC Bank. We're thrilled to have them on board, and American Airlines also deserves special recognition for its contributions in helping us bring incredible speakers to our council. A reminder to please silence your cell phones or any other devices before we begin. And now I'd like to welcome our moderator for tonight's conversation, Christopher Walsh, Director of Freedom and Democracy at the George W. Bush Institute. Chris, welcome. Welcome to the stage and thank you. Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate it. What a thrill it is to be here with you this evening. 
to celebrate a, a remarkable panel that I look forward to welcoming in a moment. But if you'll bear with me for a quick, shameless plug, at the Bush Institute, we believe that freedom is not the designated reward for a certain group or people or place, but is the universal longing of the human heart. It belongs to everyone. And I know the stories and the missions that we'll talk about tonight will reflect that. And I, I would also plug that just very recently, in the last week, we've opened a new exhibit at the Bush uh, Library on Freedom Matters that track many of these themes from the rule of law, the struggle for liberty around the world, uh, and the value of human rights in protecting them. So I'm so thrilled that we can talk about these issues and share them with all of you. I would also add, if you're, if you're looking for the direct impact of conversations like this, yes, all of us in this room benefit from that. But I'd like to tell you very quickly about my four children at home. Three girls and one boy. And one of the coolest things about my job and doing things like this is I get to go home and tell them about the great people that I meet, the great work that they're doing, to get them interested, to get them curious about what's going on in the world, why protecting freedom and human rights around the world matters, not just to them here, but everywhere around the world. I get all sorts of questions. Daddy, where's Poland? What's happening in Ukraine? Where's, where's going on in Ethiopia? What's wrong with the president of Russia? That's always a tough one to answer, but I'm sure we'll get into that shortly. But without further ado, let me introduce a remarkable group of women. Bianca Zalewska is a Polish humanitarian and journalist who has selflessly documented Russian aggression in Ukraine since 2014 and advocated for the people of Ukraine for more than a decade. She per persevered through life-threatening injuries suffered when her press car came under fire from Russian proxy forces in Ladansk Oblast. She persists in the face of disinformation campaigns and online threats personally aimed at her family and her, and the risks of violence and injury during her frequent work in Ukraine. As a visible advocate for the inclusion of refugees from Ukraine, Bianca is the host of one of the most watched morning shows in Poland, while simultaneously compiling the stories of refugees and documenting evidence of war crimes to send to Polish authorities. We're also honored to have Yulia Tyra Pajewska, who has demonstrated extraordinary moral and physical courage in defending Ukraine against relentless Russian aggression. She provided medical treatment to Revolution of Dignity protesters in 2013, and as head of Tyra's Angels, a volunteer unit of paramedics, she provided tactical medical training on the Donbass front lines from 2014 to 2018. Yulia is best known for her work secretly filming and smuggling out video documenting Russian military atrocities in Mariupol. Russian forces detained Yulia on March 16th as she attempted to evacuate women and children from Mariupol to Zaporizhia, forgive me, Zaporizhia, despite her clear non-combatant status. Yulia refused to be silenced, however, and since her release has compellingly advocated for Ukrainian democracy and independence, both at home and abroad. We're also thrilled to welcome Maja Mohammed, who is a veteran Ethiopian journalist and the founder of Roha TV, an independent YouTube-based news and information channel. Her reporting has included coverage of the survivors of gender-based violence 
including sexual violence in the current conflict in Ethiopia. On her platform, Maja has shared interviews with dozens of women who have been sexually assaulted by armed militants during the northern conflict. She has been a strong voice advocating for investigation and accountability for human rights violations during the conflict, and has impressed foreign observers with her clear drive, activism, uh, and has not been without personal risk. She has been arrested repeatedly and charged on multiple counts, including allegedly spreading rumors and disclosing the Army's battlefield location to the enemy. Despite her arrests, Maja remains committed to advocating for victims of gender-based violence and ensuring accountability for the crimes committed against them. Please join me in welcoming our very distinguished panel. lie and say I'm not intimidated sitting up here with three remarkable people whose resumes I don't think I could ever touch. So thank you again for coming to Dallas, for sharing your stories with those gathered here, for sharing them with folks across the country, to know how important it is uh, the struggles that you're undertaking, each of you. But let's, let's start with the reason that you're all here today. I wonder if you'd, and this is a question I'd pose to all of you, what does it mean to be recognized as an International Woman of Courage awardee? How does it feel? Bianca, let me start with you and we'll go down the row. Uh, thank you for your questions. Thank you for your great introduce and thank you everybody that you came here and wanted to meet with us. Uh, this award means for me that we can speak more and louder about Ukraine. It means that we have more possibility and more people who can get information uh, what's going on in Ukraine, that it's the real and dangerous war. Uh, because if not this award, I would not be here with you today. And we would not have a lot of amazing meetings. And when we speak about uh, propaganda, disinformation, war crimes, uh, about uh, military situation in Ukraine, even we speak about Poland and about Polish people who help, who help Ukraine about uh, all situation connected with the world. So uh, for me it means a lot and I'm very thankful that I can be here. Thank you, Marcia, okay. please. Thank you so much for having me and also thank you for all my people and others who are gathering here just to listen and to hear from us. You know, being an international woman of courage already is, you know, something not only for me, but also for my people out there who are victims of, where, who are victims of the ethnic cleansing, which is ongoing still in my country. Uh, you know, if you speak louder, if you struggle louder, and if you struggle stronger, there are people who are ready to listen. The thing that matters is how you struggle. The thing that matters is how you speak louder and how you are really, uh, uh, really strong in order to speak the truth. No, I know uh, it's very risky. It puts you in different um, dangerous situations. Like even you may die in my country. You may die whenever you speak uh, truth, whenever you stand with the victims. 
whenever you are independent, you know how it is going to be backfiring you. But the more you struggle, the more you speak louder, there, the world can't hear you. So it means a lot, not only for me, but for my people, for the victims, for the women and children who are neglected in their own country, in their own places, the one who are uh, killed because who they are, because of who they are. So I'm really proud and I'm really happy for my people too. That's how I feel it. And Yulia. Я зголосилась прийняти цю нагороду виключно як представник українського жіноцтва, всього українського жіноцтва. I received this award on behalf of all Ukrainian women and only on behalf of all Ukrainian women, not for myself. Ці жінки неймовірні, котрі відстоюють свою свободу життя своїх рідних, близьких, своїх дітей на лінії фронту і в тилу. These are incredible women who are fighting for their country, who have taken arms and have gone to the front lines, and who have also contributed to this uh, war effort in other places at home and elsewhere. I'm receiving this award, and that award honors their heroism and the deeds uh, that they have done uh, so that the entire world can see. І насправді важко не помітити такі, такі подвиги, те, що робиться кожен день. Тобто подвиг для українських жінок – це буденність, це як суп сварити для вас. And it's really hard not to see the, the heroism of these women. And what it comes down to is that every day uh, they do something extraordinary. And it, you can almost say that heroic deeds for Ukrainian women is, is almost like making food. It's a daily, daily a lot of my sisters in arms and a lot of my brothers in arms have uh, given their lives in this war and uh, the sacrifice continues and there is no end in sight. І аби не дихнути своїх співвітчизниць, я, я приїхала сюди і отримала цю нагороду. Хоча там написане моє ім'я, це нічого не значить, це нагорода для всіх жінок України. And I have received this award and accepted it uh, as an inspiration for all the women back home. Uh, the award says my name, but it's not a personal award. It's a collective effort. Насправді ви і сотої долі не знаєте того, що відбувається в Україні. Так само, як ви, коли оголошували, чомусь сказали, що ми займалися тільки викладанням тактичної медицини, хоча це підрозділ евакуації поранених. І підрозділом спасено більше 600 солдатів. Скільки цивільних взагалі втрачено рахунок? My team uh, has saved uh, 600-plus lives. We have taken injured warriors from the front lines back. We have saved countless civilians. And we not only teach tactical medicine away from the front lines, we also uh, carry out a lot, of, uh, uh, a lot of work trying to save, save lives. And 
And this war has touched not only soldiers uh, who are in, the, in battle, it has uh, affected civ countless civilians. And I'm here to call attention to, to their suffering uh, in hope that it will end. Thank you so much and thank you for this honor. Thank you all, thank you all. Let me, now your, your work has all, and this is a question for all of you again. I, I know a lot of your work, all your work has received a great deal of international attention. But what I would ask you is, what is it about your work or your mission that we're not talking enough about? What do we, in this room, people around the world, people in your countries, what do they need to focus on more? And uh, Maja, let me start with you at this time. Okay. Uh, I know it's very difficult to tell somebody's story, somebody's work in a few sentences. Sometimes it is difficult even for us to say and to speak what we are doing, what uh, the people, I mean, the world want to know. Uh, I have seen the things that are spoken about me. One thing that the world wants to know is, uh, we have two things facing in my country and I am struggling against that. I am trying to address the women and the children who are really, uh, and then they're in that two situation. The first thing, there is a civil war, uh, an ongoing, actually it seems like stuff, but still it is uh, ongoing civil war in the northern part of our country. It's between the federal government and the rebelling groups. Uh, so in that situation, there are women, actually many people are under a problem, but women and children especially, they are uh, facing, you know, sexual abuses and a lot of women are um, raped and even, you know, they are uh, victims of not only the war, but also the situation that's happening after the war. They are still in refuge campus. Uh, they are uh, victims of, again, sexually transmitted diseases uh, in one area which is called uh, uh, South Gondor. It's in Amharic, we call it Mipasmoja. It's an Amharic uh, uh, word, our language, our local word. So in that area, I found 74 women who were raped in one area, who were raped by uh, the TPLF soldiers. And then uh, I have been uh, trying to interview and then to make reports and that. And then what I've been doing is I took them to hospital with the help of the diaspora community. Then the bad thing that happened was, the worst thing is, out of the 74 women, 45 women were victims of HIV AIDS. They were HIV AIDS positive. And you know, they are suffering a lot. After even the war ended, these women are uh, suffering due to psychological issues. And they are neglected from their society. And also they are, again, uh, under the need of different medications. So I've been doing this for, a lot of times, but and again in the eastern part of our country, which I really surprised when I think about that because the world ignored it. I don't know why the world, why the U.S. government, I don't know why the international community choose uh, ignorance in this situation because in that area, you know, uh, there are people, uh, Amhara people, Amhara is again a local language, so those people are facing ethnic cleansing. They are supposed to live from that area. You know, uh, there is a rebelling group, which we call it OLA, and also uh, the Oromia Regional Special Force, which is the state. 
uh, itself are working together to clean those Amharas from that area. Right now, we are talking right in this time, 1.2 million Amharas are displaced from that place, the Oromia regional state. They are distributed in different areas, including the capital city, Addis Ababa. I myself are organizing and helping people in my, uh, I am living in the capital city, in my city. I'm trying to help those people. But our government, the international community, I don't know why uh, we chose to, to be silent on this issues. I don't know when is the time that the world will see these people. And when I think of this international award, I want the people to see this story. I want the people to see my documentaries, my interviews about those people. I want to be magnified and listen my people. The world to listen those people. I feel that it is jumping. I don't know if it's by default or by purpose. But one thing that I want to know, I, I want to tell to the people is, it's time to listen for those voiceless, they are silented, they are in the threat of genocide. So this is the only thing that I want to, the world to know and to remember it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yulia, what, what, are, what are people not talking about? What are we not talking enough about when it comes to the work that you're doing in Ukraine? Я думаю, що ви не розумієте реальних реального стану справ. I don't think you understand the real state how things look like on the ground. Недавно в розмові з'ясувало, що американці не мають уяви про те, що Крим є територія України згідно міжнародних законів, наприклад. Recently during some conversations I figured out that some Americans do not know that Crimea uh, belongs to Ukraine. It's a territory of Ukraine based on the international law. Ви знали про це? Did you know about it? Знали? Yes, did you? Хто не знав, підніміть руку. Please tell me who did not know that Crimea. Хто здогадувався? Or who more or less thought that it might be? Хто не впевнений був? Who was not sure? Згідно міжнародних законів, Крим, територія Криму є українською територією. Based on the international law, Crimea is a part of Ukraine, is a territory of Ukraine. Ви можете це перевірити в інтернеті. You can check this on internet. Просто я чую такі речі, що може Крим віддати Росії, тобто як? Listening and hearing these things like Maybe you should give up on Crimea, give it to Russia. How? How come? Тобто, можливо, в Техасі є така територія, де більше говорять іспанською мовою. Може їх віддати в Мексику? Maybe in Texas you also have some some regions, some parts of the state that they speak only Spanish there. Maybe this part should be given back or given to Mexico. А, вам смішно. Нам ні. Тому що Росія прийшла і забрала нашу землю. 
away a part of our territory. Як би зреагував нормальний техасець на таку ситуацію? How would a, a normal, a regular Texas citizen react to that? Я знаю, що ви зробили, бо ми дуже схожі. I know what you did, what you would do, because we are very similar. Тому що ви теж цінуєте свободу, демократію і право на життя і на свою територію, да? Because you also value the freedom, democracy, right to life and on your territory. І ви поважаєте закон, правда? And you adhere to the law, right? Українці теж поважають закон. Ukrainians as well. І цінують всі ці, тобто у нас спільні цінності. So we have a common values. І ви вам легко зрозуміти наші емоції. So for you it's easy to understand our emotions. Особливо мої емоції, коли я просипаюсь ранком від того, що я чую, як кричать полонені на підвалах російські бранці. Especially when early morning I would wake up and I would hear how the POW cry because there are some were probably tortured in the basements by Russians. Вони приходять до мене в снах, помираючі діти. They come to me in my dreams, the kids that are dying. Жінки, котрим відірвало обидві ноги. The women that they lost both of their legs. І вони вмирають в центрі півмільйонного міста. And they are dying in the middle of the city where half a million people live. Яке під ударами авіації російської зазнає розрухи на 90%. That's under the uh, aviation attack of the Russians and the city that's being de- destroyed practically 90%. Uh, це місто Маріуполь. I'm talking about city of Mariupol. Я чую крики тих зґвалтованих дітей, жінок, чоловіків, що були зґвалтовані і вбиті на окупованих територіях. Ви всі чули про Бучу? Ірпінь. І це багато-багато інших міст. Про які ви не чули, але їх безмежно багато. There are cities that you, or towns that you never heard about, but there are many of those. Але я думаю, що ви чули про те, що ми мусимо перемогти. But probably you have heard that we must win. Тому що справедливість і міжнародний закон потребує підтвердження. Because the rightness and international law needs to be adhered to, needs to be supported. І якщо один раз хтось зруйнує закон міжнародний, це означає, що хтось потім, не дай Бог, і в Польщу прийде, да? You know, what it means, if someone will not adhere to the international law, it means that maybe in the future this someone can also come to Poland. Там сусід теж. It's neighbor of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Neighbor of Ukraine. Our common neighbor. Я багато можу розказувати про звірство росіян на нашій території. I can talk a lot about the atrocities that Russians are doing have done on the territory of Ukraine. Але я не хочу вас катувати. But I do not want to torture you. Я добре знаю, що таке катування. I know what torture is. 
Я прошу вас продовжувати підтримку, і це буде наша спільна перемога. I am asking you, I'm appealing to you to continue your support, and this will be our joint victory. It will be a victory achieved by our blood and your weapons. But we would have for us to lose less people less blood, so to say, we need more of your weapons. Each and every day, my people, Ukrainian people, are dying. And it hurts a lot. And if I'm asked if I am happy about this award, it is an honor, but happiness I do not really feel. I'm sorry about it, really. I think you understand. God bless you and let God protect you from any war. Glory to Ukraine. Well put, well put. Bianca, let me give you the last word on this question. What are we not talking enough about in the work and the mission that you're doing? Um, yesterday, uh, or day before yesterday, I don't remember, two American uh, people already my friends, very nice people, ask me why Ukraine and Russia are fighting together and what we can do, they stop. For me, it was a very big shock because in Poland, we are neighbor of Ukraine, nobody would ask like this. And I explain, it's not about two nations who is fighting together, it's about one country who attacked another one. Russia attacked Ukraine, and Ukrainians only protect themselves. No one Ukrainian soldier passed even one step on the border to kill Russian. But there is a lot of Russians who killing Ukrainian people. And I think it's very important to say, I asked them about Bucha and they didn't know about it. They didn't hear. I was sure that everybody heard about it. As Yulia mentioned, can I ask you, did you heard about Bucha and Irpin? Yes. Okay, great. I'm making this reports from the war to show for whole people that they will never have a doubts that it's two countries who is fighting. I want they know like the truth looks like, that it's one country who protect themselves and one country who attack them. When I've been in Bucha, especially I remember Borodyanka. Borodyanka is a city near to Kyiv, near to Bucha and Irpin. I've been there the first day after the occupation, when Rus Russian soldiers gone. And I just switch on my camera and record. 
there is no words needed, absolutely. It was the people who, uh, the rescue people who tried to uh, this destroyed building, find people uh, under the destroyed building. There is a witness of this, uh, what's happened, people who survived. People who told me that they heard one week screaming under this building, screaming for help, but Russian soldiers didn't let them help because everybody who tried to help would be killed. And as I'm a journalist, I need to show it in TV. I'm working in morning show, so I cannot uh, showing in my reports blood, dead people. And there is a lot of tragedy and a lot of so terrible things. The witness of the war uh, who survived told what's going on, what's happened during the occupation, how Russian soldiers raped them, their children on their eyes, and opposite, the parents on the eyes of children. It's so terrible things which I cannot show in TV. So that's why I just collect these things, like a documental of war crimes. And I hope the people who did it will be punished one day. And that's why I think all journalists who is on the war zone now, as like documental, making reports for, from war crimes, it's, unfortunately, it's not hard. It's very easy to make it because almost every one place, not almost every one place who is the occupation from Russian soldiers, there is a place where war crimes uh, happened a lot. Bucha, Irpin, it was only beginning. After this was Izum, Kherson, and other uh, cities, sorry. So I want to show for whole world what's going on in Ukraine and explain that it's not uh, war between two countries, only attacked and protect. I want to documenting these war crimes and I want to help for refugees who came to my country, over one million refugees uh, during a few weeks and I want to help them. I, I'm showing their stories in my TV too. Thank you. sure we could probably do an hour-long conversation with each of you, so I'd like to try and get to a few more questions before we open it up to our audience. But, uh, Maza, let me start with you. Question. You know, you've been, you've been covering a country that's at war with itself right now, uh, and a country that has not necessarily been friendly to journalists right now. How do you navigate these different narratives within the country in search of truth and give that to your audience? Yeah, as you see, our country is not really friendly for journalists. Uh, all medias are supposed to be under the broadcast authority. Uh, so it is impossible to have an independent media uh, which tries to cover or to report independently and to work with the trust. 
uh, even previously we had kind of YouTube channels so that we can have our own independent medias at least in, through YouTube. But this time, even YouTube channels are supposed to be registered under the broadcast authority, under the government control. So uh, trying to choose the truth and to stand with it is something you put your life in risk. You put your life in risk of not only by the government, but also the propaganda that the government is doing here and then makes the people to stand even against you. The war, which was a civil war, so it has a serious controversy with national interest. Whenever I start to do this independent reports, especially focusing on the women and children, especially uh, on the sexual abuses that are made by the soldiers, uh, the government arrested me three times in a year and accused me standing against the national interest of a country. A country like Ethiopia, which has a very high level of pride. We have, you know, the people have very pride, proud people, and they are very rejective interference, and they, are, they have a very serious um, stand on national interest, as we do have as whole, as communities. So the propaganda which was made by the government, even the charges that are against me, uh, makes the people even to stand against me. You know, you think that you are working for the people, and then the same group of people start to advocate against you. You know, this makes very, uh, uh, bad situation. I was in trouble, uh, not only because of the arrest or because of the, Ill, the legal issues, but also the situation that I was uh, facing uh, in the community. In any case, what I believe is, uh, whatever it takes, even if it's not popular, it's better to stand with the truth, and then at the end of the day, the truth shall set you free. That's how I believe, yeah. So I'm, I'm very much against censorship. I want to be very clear of that. But I, I'm aware that we only have a few minutes left, and I want to make sure we allow as much time as possible for questions from the audience. So I have a question for, for Yulia, and I have a question for you, Bianca. So if I could ask, and I know this is difficult to keep it to just a few minutes so we can get to the questions with our audience, but Yulia, I'd like to ask you. We talked a little bit about when I was introducing you how you were detained by Russian forces. I'm trying to imagine I'm sure the people in our audience are trying to imagine, how do you find the courage and the drive to come back and do the work that you do after you're released? How do you, how do, you do it? That's easy. <laughs> I'm used to thinking about others and not focusing on myself. I've been part of this for nine years. The war has been going on for nine years. This last year was just a, a different phase of it. 
Всі ці 8 років до початку Великої війни я була парамедиком, комбатмедик, я рятувала поранених. For eight years prior to the full-scale invasion, Допомагала I цивільним, a... які живуть на лінії. I practiced as a combat medic and a paramedic, and I, I was giving medical care to the civilians in the affected areas by, by the war conflict. Там дуже багато стареньких, яким нема кому опікуватись. There are many elderly people that are staying in those areas and have nobody helping them. And they have nowhere to go, nowhere else to go except to stay in those places where the war continues to wage. And they have continued to live and reside in those houses that have been uh, shelled and uh, destroyed by the ongoing uh, fighting but and there is no uh, no uh, emergency vehicles coming in to take them out because this is the actual front line я допомагала всім я їх лікувала я їх забирала вивозила на лікарні я привозила їм ліки їжу іноді Uh, I used to bring medication with me, I used to give them medical help, and I tried to evacuate as many as possible. Sometimes a call comes in, there is a fighting happening in a place where there is an elderly person who is actually dying. I have to wait until the fighting goes down a little bit, and then I go in. О, я можу ризикнути і поїхати під обстріл і спасти одне людське життя. I can take a risk and try and interfere while fighting is continuing and, and bring that person out and maybe, maybe save a life. Іноді і не одне. Sometimes more than one. То я завжди вибирала поїхати. So my choice is usually to go there. І кажуть, що наші екіпажі щасливі, бо всі живі. And we have been called uh, lucky crews because my teams usually came back, came back alive and brought people out. Uh, we had angels, you know, covering us with their wings on those missions. Because you don't think about yourself. You think about somebody who needs that help more than you do at the moment. And it, it's still the same. I, my thoughts are with those who are still in captivity, the POWs still held. Uh, I'm thinking about people fighting in the front lines, and I think about uh, civilians that need to be taken, uh, evacuated from there. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about the children who may, who will not live to see the, the victory unless I do something about it. Я думаю про будинки, які руйнують обстріли практично. There are houses, there are houses destroyed, there are cities being erased uh, from the uh, face of the earth by the Russians. It goes on. There are people without light, or elect- without electricity, or running water because of 
what's going on. Про моїх побратимів, котрі помирають під обстрілами, але б'ють ворога і не відступають. And my brothers in arms who are fighting uh, and, and giving their lives to they're not surrendering, they're not giving up the fight. Мене надихає мій народ. I'm inspired by my people. Ну, я надихаю його навзаєм. And I try to give them back some inspiration if I can. Це таке, знаєте, обмін. It's a, it's a synergy. І також надихає мене приклад країни, які вже здобули свою незалежність. And I'm inspired by other countries who have fought and gained their independence. І ті, що пам'ятають, чого варта свобода. And those who remember what freedom is worth. Після полону я точно знаю, що життя без свободи нічого не варте. And having been in captivity, uh, I am convinced more than ever that without freedom life is not worth living. Просто не варте. Just there is no worth in it. Бережіть свою свободу. Yeah. So uh, cherish your freedom. Тому що коли ви забуваєте, як воно цінно, вона для вас перестає щось означати. Because if you lose it, you lose it. You lose the meaning. Ну от, про себе не думаю, дбаю про, про всіх і про вас також. So, Я прийшла вам нагадати, що значить свобода. Trying to think about others and I, I think it's my mission to tell everybody this is what freedom means. І за що гинули ваші предки? Your people died for it. My предки. people died for it. Mm-hmm. Ancestors. Mm-hmm. Ага. Дякую вам. Thank you. And Bianca, before we go to Q&A with our audience, final question to you from me. You touched on this a little bit in one of your previous responses, but how would you assess Poland's response to the Russia-Ukraine war over the past year? What can we in the United States learn from Poland's response? I'm very proud of my country that they opened their hearts and their houses uh, and just make more than welcome for refugees from Ukraine. For me, it was uh, even surprised because uh, Russian propaganda uh, working in our country very much before it. I'm trying to show, since 2014, I'm trying to show for whole world that war in Ukraine is dangerous war and real war. And it was a lot of um, situations that uh, they tried to make discreditation of me, that there's no war, that's something uh, inside the Ukraine, that uh, Ukraine is not good, and you know, not so much people pay attention for this, but after 24 of January, uh, of February, sorry, uh, one year ago, everything changed, everything. All my country understood that it's real and dangerous war. I know a lot of people from Polish border guard who welcome refugees on the border, who took their bags, who took their children on their hands, and they're crying. They said that first time in their life they saw 
so big scare in eyes of people that it was old people or mother with children, their eyes was like that, just walk, watching in one place and all people is, was very impressed. And I'm very proud that uh, Polish people open the country and help them. Uh, it's good that our government make uh, low solutions for social help for refugees. Unfortunately, now Russian propaganda is starting to work again. And unfortunately, start make some fake news, a lot of uh, fake information in social media. They start from the beginning, I mean, from just normal people, not on the political level. They are going on the big group uh, in the internet, in Facebook, and post something, example that I'm Ukrainian and I want to take, I'm Ukrainian girl, I want to take your husband from Poland. And, or I'm mother uh, who came with children from Ukraine and for me, I should be the first one in the doctor or somewhere. And a lot of people know that there is a fake, that there is disinformation, there is the Russians uh, trying to do it. But some people don't, doesn't check the source of this information. And that's why I think now journalists, I mean everybody, should be very careful of this disinformation, of fake news, and for this propaganda. Uh, because Russia not sleep, I think never, unfortunately. Thank you. Thank you. So, you've waited very patiently. I'm sure you have plenty of questions. Uh, before, we, before we open it up, just please wait till the microphone gets to you. They're going to be passed around. And I, I learned a very long time ago not to focus on front row bias. So I will try to get a wide breadth of questions from around the room. I will be looking. So I saw this hand first. There's a woman here in the second row. So, well, I know. <laughs> I'll come back to you, I promise. Oh, very generous, very generous. You, oh. Thank you. You need to stand up? You don't, up to you. Okay. Testing. My name is Ezekiel Skinder or Ezekiel or Zeke. I've been called worst from Ohio. I drove from Shreveport. I was here for business three hours to see these heroes. I really appreciate you coming here. And uh, if you speak Russian, Debra Utrecht. You speak Amharic, Lesh. If you speak Polish, Chindabre. I worked in Poland, I worked in Russia and I know uh, the culture. My question is to Maaza. Uh, in Ethiopia, you've talked about the atrocities, the rapes, the, the killings, the genocides, but most of the things you were talking about was committed by the TPLF, Tigray People Liberation Front, which has been recommended, supported by the US government, and even in the FASMOJA. And some of the atrocities committed in Ethiopia, is, they are so despicable, we cannot talk about them. She talked about rape. We're talking about gang rapes. We're talking about the husband watching his wife being raped. We're talking about chopping people. I know you guys have your own atrocities in Ukraine, and there have been atrocities all over the world. What's going on in Ethiopia is unseen. It is unparalleled. It's even worse than what Hitler did to the Jews. Because it, and, and the entire international community chose to keep quiet. 
not to talk about it, as well as the international media. So what, how do you break this deadlock? What do you need to do as a media person to tell the world Ethiopia is on fire? 120 million people. I know Poland is a large country, Ukraine is a large country, Ethiopia is the second largest nation in Africa next to Nigeria. 120 million people are being ignored. How do you break the deadlock? How do you break the silence? The West is not watching. Amaras are being killed because of their ethnicity. Even the government in power now, uh, Abiy's government, is keeping quiet, is trying to make up with the TPLF, the Tigray People Liberation Front, to get funds from the US government. And uh, it's a challenge, it needs to be told, and uh, I need to hear it from you, what we can do here in the diaspora as well as uh, you guys in Ethiopia. I've lived in this country for 50 years. I've been here next May, it will be 50 years. I've never heard or seen anywhere in the world what's going on in this ancient Christian. Okay, I, I was expecting another question, so anyway, uh, the thing that I want to focus is on what we are doing. Uh, it is a, the situation, I mean, the struggle that you do or that you make is matter what the world responds for it. We know that what's happening in our country we have an ongoing civil war. We have an ongoing genocide in some uh, areas, in some countries. A genocide happens in, with a time limit. You know, it starts a single time and then it ends. You know, we Ethiopians are facing uh, an ongoing genocide for the last 30 years. So in this situation, the thing that medias, the thing that activists, journalists, human rights defenders and advocates have to do is just advocating and not making the world to know independently what's happening in our country. That's what I'm trying to do. When I was doing the reports, when I was traveling in different remote areas in my country, what I was planning to do is I am expecting someone to listen. I don't know who the one is. Finally, it becomes the United States government. So I will suggest medias, advocates, activists, and even the diaspora community, what we have to do is we have to focus on our struggle. How long, how far we, we try to work on it? Are we struggle enough in order the world? The world is always with the winners. We know that. Because the international community, the Westerns, whoever the person or the organization or the community wants to listen to you, you have to shout loud. You have to show what's happening in the ground. The more you struggle, the more listeners you can get. You cannot blame people. You cannot blame countries. You cannot blame organizations not to see if you are not doing, if you are not making them to see it, how it's worst, how it is dangerous, how it is uh, going on. 
how fast it's running, how fast we are losing women, how fast we are living, losing children, how fast the, the situation becoming hell in Ethiopia. So the more we struggle, the more we get listeners, the more we get the attention of others. So what I want to focus on this, what I want to focus people is on this, on their struggle, on their jobs, on their day-to-day -day activities. So we, sh we should stand with the truth, we should stand with the victims, and then we can make the world to stand with them. That's how I see things. So that's why I am doing all my best. People may forget it, may neglect things, but I will do as much as I can, and then I am a witness that the world will stand with you whenever you struggle and do your best. That's what I can say. I'll take my mask off for you. <laughs> Thank you so much, all of you. My name is Linda Abramson Evans. I'm a member of the World Affairs Council, Thanksgiving Square. I teach at SMU and have been a refugee advocate for the past 25 years. So I'd first like to express appreciation for sharing your stories and regret for all that you have personally suffered as well as your families and your countries in current and past conflicts and, and human rights abuses. My question is actually in behalf of my students who could not be here and probably students in many of our other universities and schools besides Southern Methodist University, they would like to know specifically what could they do that would help further your causes through advocacy, awareness, action projects. They are interested, concerned, and engaged, but sometimes they don't know exactly what to do, uh, nor I as well. So we'd be happy to hear any suggestions that uh, could make a specific difference for you. Thank you. Who would like to field that question? Julia, please. Okay, the, thank you for your question. Sure, давай. This is like what Я взагалі така, я приколююсь багато. Ви вибачте, я не такі речі. Uh, sometimes I'm joking, it's my, you know, my hobby. По-перше, вони не мусять бути байдужі. Діти мусять, діти, підлітки, молоді люди мусять дбати про цілий світ, бо саме їм належить майбутнє і цілий світ ми передамо їм в руки. Тобто вони мусять дбати про нього вже сьогодні, навіть якщо це діти. No, uh, even though these are young, um, not children, but young people, maybe not so young, but anyway, they cannot just be um, bystanders. They cannot just uh, stand and see what's going on. They, can, they have to do something because that's future, that's their future. That's the future that they are going to inherit. Я билась просто на смерть за кожну несправедливість. Я хотіла навести лад, я хотіла добитись порядку і закону. When I was young, I was always in favor of justice. 
when I saw injustice, I was doing everything possible. I was fighting. I wanted to law prevail. В той час пройшов, і тепер я можу діяти фізично вже допомагати людям. Це як евакуація поранених, так і то, що я приїжджаю, розказую вам правду, що відбувається в моїй країні. You know, right now I can really physically do something, not fighting really. I can evacuate people, I can um, tell you, come here and tell you the truth about what's going on in my country. І що може очікувати Польщу, що відбувається в Ефіопії. Мені теж це болить. You know, it hurts me also to see what could be Poland's future. What's going on in Ethiopia? Yes, it hurts me too. А практичні дії, так, вони можуть допомогти. Вони можуть своїх конгресменів, тих, за кого вони голосували, писати їм листи. You know, practical actions. They can appeal to their congressmen or women. They can write letters to them. They can ask them to pay attention to this topic. Тому що саме громадяни обирають владу, і громадяни керують країною насправді через своїх представників. Because the people choose and elect their Congress people. The people are those who really lead this country through those representatives that they have elected. І я знаю, що такі листи дуже потужні, і вони впливають. And I know that these letters could be very powerful. They influence decisions. Правильно? Correct. Мені правильно сказали? Was I, because I was told that. Is it correct? Чим більше таких голосів на підтримку будь-якої доброї справи, я про Україну, звісно, але я думаю, що є ще справи, які варто підтримати. You know, the more voices you raise, the more people talk about it, appeal about it. Of course, I'm talking here about Ukraine, but this for any just cause, it works for anything. Ну так, я прекрасний інструмент для впливу. I am the, the wonderful instrument for influence. І ви можете, це є влада народу, ви є народ, молоді люди є народ. От прекрасний інструмент, це раз. This is people's power. You are people. Young people are people at power. So you can do something. Instrument number two. That was way number one or instrument. And you call it number one. Now number two. Це використання соцмереж. Use of social media. Насправді це дуже потужно. І я спостерігаю вже 10 років. Затим, як набирає силу оця опінія, в соцмережах. Лідери суспільної думки наскільки сильно впливають. Якщо у них достатньо мужності, аби говорити правду, і не боятись, що хтось їх там буде тролить чи щось таке. Of course, if they are brave enough to tell the truth, they wouldn't be, if they are not afraid that somebody is going to be trolling them or saying something about them. Це теж дуже потужно. Okay, that's also a powerful mean, powerful way. 
І це є також інструмент народовладдя. And also it's an instrument to show that it is the people's power. Насправді, війна триває і у вас на вашій території, і навіть ближче. Because in reality the war is waged also in your country, on your territory, even closer to you than you think. Even Ukrainian, the war in Ukraine, it's also is being waged here. Because the war is in our hearts and our heads. And if the propaganda, you know, throws on you lies, they throw on you the interesting narratives, and it looks to you that's very interesting. It means that you are injured, injured by this war, information war. And you need to be treated. Добре, що якщо поранення невелике, ви можете просто перев'язати там, дістати правильну інформацію і отримати досвід. Okay, it would be good if this injury wouldn't be very deep, so you can just put bandaid on and listen to the correct information and move on. І досвід ви отримаєте. And also this way you will receive the experience. І наступного разу вже так не станеться. So next way, it will not happen to you. Тобто, кожен з нас може стати солдатом інформаційної війни. Для цього не треба йти на фронт. Each of us can be the soldier of the information war. You don't need to go to front line for that. Для цього навіть нема необхідності вміти класно стріляти. Але добре стріляти ще нікому в житті не завадно. You don't even need to, you know, be a good shooter know how to shoot the rifle or pistol, but it's always a good thing to know how to do that. Переклала, да? Переклала. Ну, тобто, наша зброя, це в першу чергу, правда, як в 90-му псаломі сказано, що зброя наша, це правда Господа, да? And, you know, our weapon, it's truth, it says in the Psalm 90, that uh, our weapon is the truth. Truth is the weapon. Правда Господа. Ah, the truth of God, it's weapon. Я бачу. Ну, насправді, це дійсно зброя, і я це відчула, будучи в полоні. It is a real weapon, and I, I, I felt it when I was in captivity. Бо скільки мене не допитували, я казала правду, і, і все. Because when, whatever they would ask me, I always would say, the truth, that's it, truth. Я була згодна померти за те, що я говорю правду. I was ready to die for what I was saying, because I was saying the truth. Я вам клянусь, так і було. I swear to you, that's really happened. Просто через те, що я не люблю брехати. I just don't like lies. Інформаційна війна, оця пропаганда російська, котра пролазить прямо сюди. Ви можете це почути, включивши телевізор або відкривши веб-сайт. Інформаційна війна, російська пропаганда, 
it comes even here. You can just switch on TV, you can listen to it, you can read about it. Ninja. Ninja. Spoon. Oh, it's like a spy. Ninja. Like a ninja in a black dark suit who's trying to, you know, try to enter into your house. So you have to just, you know, take care, look at him, and don't allow him to enter. А якщо ви просто будете сидіти і чекати, що ж він там буде робити, у вас заберуть оселю, заберуть ваших дітей. Як росіяни забирають наших дітей, вони їх крадуть просто. But when you're just going to be passively standing there and looking what he is doing, entering your house, stealing whatever it is there, stealing your children, and they will steal your children because that's what Russians do in our country. They kidnap our children. Добре, що ми вчасно схватили, що у нас було, і почали відбиватися. Ми поламали всю нашу зброю об цих агресорів. Перепрошую. Але дякуючи допомозі, ми отримали зброю і у нас достатньо сил, щоб битись далі. But thanks to all assistance, we receive enough weapon and we have strength and we have power and we have way to fight, to continue our fight. І перемога точно буде. And the victory will come, for sure. Але не можна сидіти і чекати. А, що він там робить? But you can't just sit and wait. А, що він там? What is he doing there? Мою дружину голтує. Oh, he's raping my wife. Wow. А, ну ти потерпи, Люба. Він скоро піде. Oh, my darling, just, you know, just calm down. It will continue. It will stop. Він зараз втомиться і піде. Yeah, he will get tired and he will leave you. Don't worry. Ворог ніколи не втомлюється. You know, the enemy will never get tired. Тому ми мусимо з'єднатися через те, що це наш спільний ворог. Я іноді слухаю російські пропагандистські програми. І знаєте, що вони там кажуть? Ворог номер один у них – це Сполучені Штати. І НАТО. Для них це одне і те саме. Для них це одне і те саме. І я думаю, ми маємо закінчити тут. Так, добре новини, добре новини, я думаю, що так. Добре новини, добре новини. Ми вирішили час для питання, але ми ще маємо рецепцію, якщо я не вважаю. Буде час для спілкування, спілкування, спілкування. Так, я повернути Елейн. We just have to get to the reception, sure, but there will be time for comments at the reception, all right? All right. But before I turn over to you, Elaine, maybe join me one more time in well and thanking our panelists. Thank you. Thank you so much for an inspirational conversation. 
We're so grateful to all of you who could join us here today to hear from these women, to hear their stories, to learn about their experiences. Um, please be sure to talk with any council staff here tonight if you're interested in getting more involved with our International Visitors Program. I'd like to um, have a moment to give a little something to our awardees. Um, this evening is a special gift to you from us to help you remember your time in the great state of Texas. Texas is unforgettable. Thank you. There we go. Woo! <laughs> we might want you to take them out one more time and take a photo. I think we love our state. Yulia, you were correct in saying that we are similar. Yes. The other way. Yeah. There you go. Yes, the booth did that pass. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>